0: Friends, welcome to episode 11 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. My name is Brad Rowland. I will be your host for today and always. And today we have one primary topic and that is just how the Hawks plan to cut down the roster before the season begins. Atlanta currently has 16 players under real contract is something I would put it and 17 players under contract. That is of course an homage to the great Matt Costello former Michigan State big man who just signed a two year non-guaranteed contract that only assures him $50,000 uh, over the body of that deal. Uh, I discussed that kind of in depth on a previous podcast, so I'm going to leave Costello out for the most part here today. But at the same time, he is under contract, so the Hawks have 17 guys, but really, this is a 16-player-for-15-spot debate, and that is the uh, backdrop of today's conversation. Uh, the Obviously, the easiest way that the Hawks could uh, cut down the roster from 16 to 15 would be to simply release someone uh that's obviously that's always the easiest way uh in terms of uh cutting down a roster is to just make a cut you don't rely on another on another team to uh, facilitate a trade or anything like that you could just say goodbye to a player and you know pay him whatever it is the team owes that player uh, remaining on his contract. Uh, the most obvious candidate for this is, of course, Mike Muscala. He's the only player out of the 16 that has a non-guaranteed contract for this season. Uh, Muscala uh, famously had a team option picked up by the Hawks, um, you know, which, which basically lent uh, a lot of people to assume that he was going to be on the roster. But after Chris Humphreys was signed, uh, that kind of put Muscala back into a perilous situation in terms of his contract. Um, that team option is still non-guaranteed. The Hawks would have to pay him. You know, it's a six-figure amount. It's not a small amount of money, but they would have to pay him uh, to go away. Uh, it's it's not exactly prohibitive, though, is really the, what it comes down to. I like Mike Muscala. I've said that numerous times on this podcast, and I think he is a, uh, you know, a borderline rotation player, but definitely an NBA player who should be on a roster somewhere. But you know, with the numbers game, how it is, and the fact that the Hawks do not owe him any money beyond this season and even then, only about half of his salary for this season, uh, it w- it'll be interesting to see if that's just the obvious move that the Hawks could make to get rid of a roster spot. Uh, I think the, t- the team could you know, potentially trade Muscala. That's something that they could actually you know, look into doing. Obviously, the return would not be significant. They might be able to get a late second round pick um, from a team that is in love with Muscala and really likes his contract option and a very, very low cap number that he brings. But uh, Muscala doesn't have that much value on the open market, obviously, and the Hawks would uh, almost you know almost he would be better as a member of the Hawks as th- than he would in a lot of other organizations simply because he's already been integrated into Atlanta's scheme under Mike Budenholzer on both ends of the court this is the team that drafted him has kind of shepherded him even when he was in Europe as a rookie uh the Hawks have always been high on Muscala and that's why you know I'm not quick to say that the Hawks are absolutely going to move on from Muscala a lot of fans have justifiably said that that was the obvious course of action moving forward. But I think the Hawks are still high on Muscala. He fits what Bud likes quite a bit and that he can play center and power forward, shoot with some range, uh, you know, defend with some athleticism and, and length. And he's become a, something, something of a fan favorite for a lot of people in Atlanta. So that, was, that would be the easiest option, but that's not necessarily the one that is the only option for the Hawks. Also, in terms of cutting players, there are uh, two other guys who would make some sense in this realm. The first is Eddie Tavares, uh, the big man, you know, 7 foot 3, he's a very interesting player just because of that size and shot blocking ability. Uh, Tavares does, you know, make relative peanuts uh, in NBA terms. He's making 1 million dollars per season for the next uh, for the next year and then the following year uh, about 1.05 million dollars, something in that range. It's just a little bit over 1 million dollars for the 2017-2018 season. Beyond that, he would be a stri- he, he would be a restricted free agent. For the Hawks, meaning that, that the team would have uh, the ability to match any contract offer. Uh, given what we've seen so far from, from Tavares, I'm not sure that contract offer would be significant. But again, he's, he's still a young player with some talent, with some upside considering his size. And uh, it would be kind of weird if the Hawks moved on from him in this way. Tavares is another guy who probably could be traded to a team that, you know again, for a, a very little return. But um, considering he has two years of team control at a very, very cheap number. That could be enticing for another team in the NBA. Uh, third and last in terms of uh, a player that the, that the Hawks could cut um, fairly reasonably, I would say Jarrett Jack, uh, veteran Jarrett Jack, who uh, he kind of he kind of famously had ACL surgery in January, kind of leaving his uh, his training camp uh, options up in the air in terms of whether he'll be able to play or not uh, at the beginning of the season. Jack was recently signed to a minimum contract for the veterans minimum. It's a one year deal uh, that could. Uh, you know, Jack, his playing his playing status up in the air, the fact that the team signed Malcolm Delaney, uh, the Hawks have kind of uh, rolled with two-point guards at times in the past. While guys were in the D League or for other reasons, uh, the presence of DeAndre Bembry, a rookie, obviously not, not a guy you want to play this role, but he could play as an emergency third point guard if the team elected to move on from Jack. I think this is probably only an option if Jack just can't play physically, if the Hawks are not uh, satisfied with his physical um, with his physical recovery from that surgery, or that he's just kind of over the hill given his age. I think this is pretty unlikely given the fact that they just signed Jared Jack to be an insurance policy and. You know, he could kind of be a coach uh, on the bench, sort of in an emeritus role. Even if he's not active a lot of nights, uh, Jack could be a tutor for Dennis Schroeder and Malcolm Delaney and also sort of a guy who is uh, great for organizational culture. You know, everybody in the NBA seems to like Jarrett Jackie. as friends all over the place, and that would uh, be another reason to keep him on board. So I think that's easily the most unlikely of the three options to just be cut and But that's something to keep an eye on just, be, just because of the fact that Jack may not be physically ready to start this season, and that might put him in jeopardy. With the discussion about players who could easily be uh, released or cut in advance of the season out of the way, we're, we are now onto the more entertaining portion of the program, and that means trade talk. Yes, the Hawks could easily uh, make a trade in advance of the season. There are a few guys who could uh, be on the block. The first and most obvious one is Paul Millsap. Uh, earlier this week, I devoted an entire podcast to the possibility that Millsap could be traded, whether before the season or at the tr- or you know some, some, somewhere near the trade deadline is up for debate. But uh, the Hawks could be looking for a trade partner in terms of Millsap. Again, it would be pretty surprising to me if they moved on from him before the season at this late hour, largely because. Uh, the you know the the more attractive packages for Millsap would probably have multiple pieces involved, and the hawks just simply don't have roster spots for those guys they're already looking at a roster crunch as is as that is the entire pot you know the entire topic of this podcast, but millsap being traded in a sort of one for one trade seems unlikely uh maybe maybe if he was packaged with other pieces to a team that was trying to contend. Uh, that would be something. Something that that would make some sense. But Millsap's tr- uh, trade stuff is more of a theoretical discussion for inside the season, in my view. It would be pretty surprising to me now if they moved on from him before the season started. But that has to be said, and it's something we've talked about extensively on this podcast, with Millsap uh, kind of being the guy who's uh, been been in the news in terms of trade stuff. There's there are there are other options. Uh, the first of which for me is Mike Scott. I kind of posed this on Twitter, and I've seen some discussion about this on Twitter as to who the Hawks could sort of part ways with. A lot of people have, have simply returned with Mike Scott's name. Uh, the Hawks uh, picked up his team option for $3.3 million just a couple of weeks ago, meaning that I think it's kind of unlikely that they're simply going to release him. Now they could have just walked away from that money, not owed him a dime at the end of the season, but they've uh, extended that, you know, not not necessarily extended that offer, but picked up his option to Scott for that cheap price. Uh, on the court, Scott is certainly worth $3.3 million. He's not a, not been a guy that I'm in love with in terms of defensively. Uh, he's sort of a, a liability at times, but there's been some improvement in that area. He also had his best shooting season of his career last year, shooting up near 40% from three. If he could do that on a regular basis, he's certainly worth more than $3.3 million in this cap environment. Uh, Scott is a uh, more of an offensive-focused player uh to say the least but his defense has improved as i mentioned a second ago and um he's certainly worth that price of course there's the off the off court stuff with Mike Scott and uh, that and that sort of the, uh begins the turmoil in, with his uh status moving forward uh, I've I talked to a couple of people who are CBA experts, including uh, at ACL Hawks Fanatic on Twitter, who also writes for Peachtree Hoops and is sort of a CBA nerd in the best in the best uh, sense of that word. Uh, he indicates to me that unless Scott is convicted of a felony, uh, he is charged with a felony, obviously in that drug and uh, the drug uh, court case that is ongoing. But unless he is convicted of that, he will not face a lengthy suspension. There could be some internal discipline from the NBA or the Hawks. But because the the trial probably won't be heard until the season starts or later, um, Scott is kind of free and clear right now, and I would be hard pressed to see a scenario where he's actually convicted of something before the end of this season. If he is convicted, uh, word looks like um, Scott will be Scott will be suspended for two seasons under the collective bargaining agreement. But even if the Hawks, uh, even if he was still a member of the Hawks, i.e., if that happened in the middle of the season, uh, he would immediately become a, uh, a salary cap wipe off in terms of the Hawks. They would not have to pay him. Um, in terms of the contract or account for him on the books. That's my understanding. I could be wrong, but I know and I'm pretty confident the uh, salary cap ramifications there are pretty accurate. In terms of the player, um, Scott himself, I mentioned a couple times on this podcast, is a very nice fit in my mind next to Dwight Howard. Uh, offensively, he's the, one, he's the one power four on this team outside of Paul Millsap who can really stretch the court. There are some guys, uh, i.e. Mike Mescala, who is a pretty good shooter, but Scott is a legitimate three-point threat, and that would be a nice fit next to Howard in a floor-spacing model. Thinking of the way that he, uh, Howard used to operate in Orlando was, you know, when he was surrounded by four shooters. Using Scott in that way would be an interesting way to keep him involved, and Howard's presence under the rim also uh, takes away from Scott's defensive weakness, in, uh, at least in some capacity. Uh, I, the Hawks could probably trade Mike Scott under normal circumstances. If he did not have the legal stuff hanging over him, he would be a guy that I'd be peddling and trade because he is so cheap. A team would almost certainly like to have him on board for that price. You know, with the legal stuff hanging over him, uh, teams probably probably would be reticent to trade for a guy like Mike Scott. He is a value on that contract, but not so much of one where a team, uh, at least most teams, would be super willing to take him on uh, right now, especially in exchange for what would have to almost be a, tra- a you know a draft asset, considering the Hawks' sole purpose in doing that would be to clear a roster spot. Uh, Scott is an interesting candidate, but more of a—it's uh, more of a theoretical—and I'd be pretty surprised if they cut him now. And any trade any trade with Scott involved would probably be for, be for a pretty small return, maybe a mid to late second-round pick. I'd be shocked if it was more than that. But you know, in the grand scheme, that's not the worst value in the world. Considering the Hawks almost uh, could have let him go for nothing uh, to sort of get any any sort of asset for him would almost be a win, and especially in, in terms of, le- of the legal uh, saga as it is ongoing. Uh, elsewhere in trade uh, possibilities, there is the name of Tiago Splitter. Uh, Splitter is a guy who I've talked about a ton. A lot of Hawks fans have talked about a lot as being on the trade market. Uh, for me, that's cooled off in my mind since the uh, Hawks elected to move on from Al Horford. Uh, well, at least for Al Horford elected to move on from the Hawks, depending on who you believe. If the Hawks had that full, um, you know, staggering, deep front court with Dwight Howard, Paul Millsap, and Al Horford, uh, that would have made Splitter eminently expendable. But because he is now the primary backup center as currently constructed, his $8.5 million salary is not you know, as easily moved in terms of the roster. I think the Hawks want to win this season. I've said that over and over again. And Splitter, if he is healthy, is the best backup center on this team. He's a better player than Eddie Tavares right now. He's a better player than Mike Muscala. And for me, Splitter, if healthy, is a better player than Chris Humphreys. So again, it's a big leap to say that Splitter is healthy. He just had hip surgery. That cost him, you know, the majority of last season, at least the majority of the second half, and he was never healthy in a Hawks uniform. But I you know, there's been some encouraging developments on splitter, some workout footage that was positive in the uh, in the last few days. So, if he is available. Um, the he's still relatively young. I think Splitter's thirty or thirty-one, uh, depending on. I, I don't think I'm remembering that uh, necessarily exactly right. But he's one of those two ages. And when he's been healthy, especially in San Antonio, he's been a very productive player who would be, you know, at least an average third big, if not an above average one. Uh, if they wanted to, if they wanted to dump salary, uh, save some money um, for Tony Wrestler and company, Splitter would be a good target for that. But I, I, as mentioned before, I think. Uh, If they moved on from a splitter for nothing in return, that would be a pretty sharp downgrade in terms of the actual roster. And because they want to win this season, uh, the the, uh, expectation of that, in my mind, has kind of gone way down on the scale of things that are likely to happen. I just don't think that moving on from a splitter now with the way the roster is constructed makes a ton of sense. But perhaps they're worried more about his injury than they're letting on. And if they could clear some money, um, you know, even for... An uh, in, in-season in acquisition or just to save money in the grand scheme, actual money, not just cap money, but actual operating money, that's a move that they could look into in the coming days. But much of the focus has been on the big men with Muscala, Tavares, Millsap, Scott, and Splitter as the, you know perhaps the most talked about uh, trade candidates or release candidates. There are a couple of wing options that what also makes some sense. Uh, in ter- you know, it, it, circumstances are different for each of these guys, but there are three players who at least could theoretically be dealt in the near future. Uh, the first and most interesting to me is Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, the Hawks made it an, an investment in two rookie wings in the draft uh, using both their first-round picks on wing players. Uh, Hardaway is also free, facing free agency after next season. It would be restricted free agency, meaning that the Hawks could, you know, they could match any offer. But considering his body of work in Atlanta at this point, I don't think that um, they'll be in a hurry to match a lucrative offer. Also, it is worth noting that I'm not sure teams are going to throw a lucrative offer at Tim Hardaway Jr. But that is a year away, and I think it's almost safe to say that he's going to get a a chance to improve his stock, uh, especially in the early going as the rookies are being integrated. Um, If he's still on the roster, Hardaway will at least have a role in the first uh, months of the season. I'm not terribly high on Hardaway. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be done in the ground again today. I've talked about that in a couple of podcasts, especially the one with Brian Giverman uh, last week. But uh, Hardaway Jr. is an interesting player. He has a cheap salary that would be pretty movable um, if the team really liked his potential and wanted to have his restricted rights. Um, that could be an interesting uh, scenario. And you know, the Hawks could potentially fetch a real asset, maybe a second-round pick. Uh, for Hardaway, if a uh, team is um, seduced by his upside, at least his theoretical upside in the way that the Hawks were uh, in dealing a first round pick for Hardaway. Uh, again, I, this is not something that I would do if I was an opposing team, but Hardaway does have some value on the open market, as we've seen, and uh, that's, a, that's a that's a player that could be on the way out in terms of, rota, of a rotation spot, given the presence of the two rookies. Uh, a more off-the-wall suggestion for me would be Tavo Cephalosha. Uh is a guy that I really enjoy and I've always kind of defended and liked as a member of this team. Uh, he does have offensive warts. He's uh, not a guy who's a good shooter. Uh, he used to shoot you know, pretty well, actually, you know, in Oklahoma City uh, before it sort, sort of uh, suddenly inexplicably losing that ability. And obviously he had the uh, the, the high-profile uh, injury case against the NYPD uh, that caused him to miss the playoffs two seasons ago. Uh is a guy that is a really good defender, a really good veteran presence, um, versatile player. He's not over the hill in terms of age. He is he is getting up there in, into his mid-30s, which is a problem for his next contract, but Cephalosha's only owed $3.85 million for the 2016-2017 season, I should say, and that's pretty cheap for what he is. Cephalosha uh, is not a starter on a good team, I don't think, unless your other four guys are just great players, but he's certainly a rotation wing in this league right now uh and his next contract is probably not going to be a good one. Uh he was on a very a, a pretty cheap, I think it was like a 3 year 12 million dollar deal when the Hawks acquired him via sign and trade that was an that was a that was a savvy move by the front office at the time. Um but now that that contract is getting ready to expire, Cephalosha might be an interesting uh piece that could uh, entice a, a a contender especially that's looking for wing depth, uh, especially defensive minded wing depth. Cephalosha, again is I think he's still the best perimeter defending wing on this roster, uh, Bazemore is more athletic. There's no question about that, and longer you know, not necessarily longer, but he plays almost as long as Cephalosha because of that athleticism, athleticism and that burst. But Cephalosha is a great positional defender. He's very smart. He's still quick enough to uh, do uh, to do damage. He's very long for his size. He's always in the right place. That kind of stuff. So his his defense is still above average. His offense is not good, but he won't kill you on that any, end either because. He's not going to try to do too much. He's going to he kind of fits in he kind of fits into the offense if he shoots, you know, 35% from the 3. That's a win. Uh, just become a, you know, being a league average shooter would be a huge thing for Sefalusha. But he's done that in the past. There's some reason to think that he could do that in the future. And uh, if the Hawks were looking to uh, make an easy trade, Sefalusha would be a good option because uh, there will be teams, I think, lining up to trade for him given his salary and the fact that he can kind of seamlessly integrate into a lot of different systems. Uh, the, the, the presence of the two wings, uh, the two wing rookies again, Torian Prince and DeAndre Bembry could be interesting here. If they think that Prince can Prince especially can play real minutes early on, that could open the door for a Cephalosha trade because Prince is more of a natural small forward, a guy who can get out there and use his length defensively. Um, there, there are still questions about whether he's able to do that right away, but if the Hawks feel comfortable with him in the rotation as a rookie to start the season, that could uh, facilitate a Cephalosha trade. Uh, last but not least, I think this, this is the most unlikely of all, But it's something that I was asked about on Twitter on a couple of occasions, and that is the possibility that Kyle Korver could be on his way out. Uh, Before we get to that, I think it's worth noting that I think Korver's value to Atlanta is higher than it would be for basically any other team in the NBA. He's the only uh, knockdown shooter on this roster right now. Uh, There are guys who had quality shooting seasons last year. I think of Mike Scott. I think of Kent Bazemore shooting the ball pretty well. Uh, other guys who can shoot it, at least in theory, Malcolm Delaney looks like a good shooter to me. Uh, Tim Hardaway's stroke is nice, and he's shot well as a rookie in the NBA. There are guys who can make shots, but Korver is the only guy who is a definitive, you know, upper echelon shooter on this team. And with Dwight Howard and Dennis Schroeder as the, you know, as the center and point guard, spacing is going to be at a premium now. Korver uh, is a great fit in the system defensively as well. He's fit in quite well under Mike Budenholzer on that end of the court. Corver's never going to be an elite defender by any stretch, but he's very big, It's sort of underrated in terms of his size and all the ground that he can cover. Um, He's a good, strong defender in the post. Not the quickest guy in the world, never will be, but a good positional defender and not one that's nearly as bad as a lot of people think he is on the defensive end. Um, So I think his value to Atlanta is just so high. His contract's also very reasonable. Uh, you know, One more year left on a, on a four-year, I think $24 million contract. He's going to be making less than $6 million this season. That's a huge value uh, for Kyle Korver, um, provided he can shoot the way that he has in the past. Even last year in a down year, I put that in quotations because it wouldn't be a down year for really anybody else in the shooting department. But Kyle still shot 39-40% you know, from three in a bad season, and that was coming off of an injury that cost him a bunch of workout time in the summer. So I think Corver even at his advanced age, is a uh, you know is an average an average wing. He may not be a great starting option right now, but they're going to need his shooting. Um, they could they could certainly field offers for Corver if they wanted to move on from him. I'd be I'd be shocked by that. Um, he's a also a P3, a, you know sort of a famous P3 client. The P3 is now partnering with the Hawks for their first satellite campus at the new training facility. Corver's kind of in the face of that in Atlanta. That's another wrinkle, not necessarily something that would prevent the team from trading him, but another, something to think about. Uh, and you know it's really all about shooting. Corver's shooting is so valuable. Uh, and shooting is sh- shooting so valuable across the league now that the offers would certainly roll in. But he's so valuable to the Hawks that it would be a shock to me if they moved on from Kyle. And uh, that's just my opinion. Again, I don't, that's not inside sourcing on that. But I know the I know the way they feel about Corver as an entity, uh, Butenholzer and Mike and Wes Wilcox have been, you know, very, very outgoing in terms of uh, praising Kyle over the last couple of seasons for his work. You know, on and off the court, he's a member of the community. It's really valuable. Does some good charity stuff. They really like his presence. So Corv being traded would be a shock to me, but it's something to mention uh, because of the fact that they absolutely could move him if they wanted to do that. That sort of wraps up the uh, the player portion. Of this podcast, there is, of course, the possibility that the Hawks could pull a, a rabbit out of the hat with a massive deal in one direction or the other. Uh, Dwight Howard is pretty much off limits considering his uh, his recent signing. Uh, I think Dennis Schroeder falls in that category as well. It would shock me if the Hawks dealt him right now. And the same goes for the guys like like Chris Humphreys, who was just signed to a one year contract, uh, can't be traded yet. Uh, there are some other guys on the roster. Malcolm Delaney comes to mind. That would be uh, pretty shocking uh, trade inclusions. So I think we've covered the uh, the bases there. In terms of of a prediction, I think the uh, the obvious thing uh, would be a Mike Muscala release. Uh, I don't think that's something they want to do. Again, I think I would I would be looking hard into trading a guy like uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, maybe even Eddie Tavares, a guy who I don't think is necessarily ever going to be a rotation player in the NBA. If you can get a real offer for either of those guys, I would absolutely take that over uh, releasing Mike Muscala. But if they don't want to, you know, if they don't want to, if there's no offers out there uh, that are worthy of a trade, uh, Muscala could be a guy that's on the chopping block. That's the obvious move. So that over and over again, that's sort of the assumption a lot of people are making. I don't think it's as obvious as some people believe it is that Muscala won't be on the roster. But uh, trades are always harder to, to conceive than they are, than it is to release a player. So the Hawks are kind of in limbo and kind of relying on other teams right now. They do have some time. There's no rule saying that the Hawks have to have 15 players on the roster before training camp. They have up until the start of the season to make that move. So if they are trying to desperately work the trade market until then, they can go all the way until that deadline just before the season starts. And if they haven't made a move by then, it'll probably be, it will probably be bye bye Mike Muscala potentially Tavares, but. Uh, they do have some time, so keep an eye on that situation as it goes forward, but we still have a couple of months' worth of intrigue in this regard until the Hawks uh, pull a move in one way or another. Please stay tuned uh, for the next episode of this podcast. Uh, we can be found uh, on Twitter, at Locked On Hawks, Also on Facebook, please check us out there. Uh, at Locked On Hawks. Uh, tell your friends about this podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Uh, please leave us a favorable five-star review if you uh, feel compelled to do so. We can really use that. It helps us a lot in terms of advertising in the future and just uh, general notoriety. We can also be found on Stitcher uh, and, and Google Play. Our host site is AudioBoom, where you can also find all of the Locked On Network podcasts. Uh, almost every team in the NBA has a locked on podcast now um uh, we don't want you to take your uh, ears away from us but if you want to add another podcast to the rotation go ahead and do that find your second favorite team also uh, our uh, our our daddy in terms of this uh, podcast network David Locke hosts a locked on NBA podcast that's very interesting uh, more league wide approach uh, some great guests on there as well if you ever want to tune into that one subscribe to that one and uh, we are always here we'll be daily for the rest of this week and then moving into sort of a uh, two to three times a week uh, vortex in this dead period from August and September, but, uh, please subscribe, tell your friends and thanks as always for listening. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four pack of LED bulbs is $9.99 and our two pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.